Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. Excited to share an interview with Chris Arredondo. He's one of the co-founders over at Cargo Chief, all about digital freight matching and the early initial stages of it, how it started and where we're at today. Hope you enjoy this interview. Hey, Chris, uh, thanks for coming on to 3PL Live. I'm excited to talk to you. I know you're one of the co-founders over at Cargo Chief. But I guess for people that haven't heard of Cargo Chief, would you just mind high level just explaining what you guys are solving in Freight Tech? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a co-founder here with uh, the other two co-founders as well. I'm VP of pretty much everything customer related. In terms of Cargo Chief, we're a Freight Tech company. I think simply put, in terms of value, if, if you're looking to expand your carrier base, pre-book more freight or price accurately or, or have a better way to price your freight, that's kind of what our, our solution C4, or platform, or project and procurement software, that, that's really what it solves for. Sure. And you worked at a brokerage, right? So like, you know, like how, like the ins and outs of how these brokerages run. Yeah, no, I uh, started my career at C8. I guess you could say I was spoiled with technology there in the beginning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they had their beast. own. Yes, <laughs> their, their own TMS. It was really the boot, boot camp for uh, booking freight. I would say like, I, I learned a lot there. I was only there for about seven months, probably. I, I realized pretty quickly, like, hey, if I'm going to get promoted, I got to be here 10 years longer than this guy who's already been here 10 years. And I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, it was the commute wasn't the best for me down here in Houston either. So I was like, oh, hey, we're getting a bonus. Oh, really? All right. The PS4 happened to be coming out that week. And uh, <laughs> I stood in line, got my PS4 and uh, off off to XPO I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, they they paid a little bit more money and and grass was a little greener and I I I didn't want to do coverage anymore I wanted to do like more sales I, I felt like what I learned in coverage and sourcing applied really well to sales it was a startup office so there's a lot of opportunity for growth I uh, got got a lot of really large accounts like Nestle Waters Waste Management a couple others um, really started to carve our way out there at XPO we ended up consolidating offices with Dallas uh, then that's when I came on to Cargo Chief. Cargo Chief was uh, was a broker like a long time ago, back in, uh, it's probably like 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. um, lasted for a couple of years, sold the brokerage off. We tried to do some technology things with our own TMS there, but di didn't quite work. Naturally, if you're in the, in the industry for two years, at least, I think you're stuck pretty much. So like it's, it just becomes part of, part of your character part of who you are so i can't I leave once not... you're there yeah exactly <laughs> it, it's it, i mean it's good and bad like you keep going up the ladder and you keep learning new things and you get in different positions i i was down here in houston to be like a interim branch manager for the time learned a lot i was able to apply what i learned at a tech enabled broker to uh to a more traditional brokerage so it was a it's really interesting to see how those two things meshed, connected back with Russ, our CEO here at Cargo Chief, and uh, learned he was trying to put something back together again. So, hey, here I am, built built what we have now, our platform C4, and really made that lateral move from brokerage to a SaaS company. And I think being being like early on in our days, talking to like VCs, SaaS leaders, market ex marketing experts, it was a very different environment mm -hmm. a lot a lot of it was really throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks self-education and having to do like product management unbiased feedback from brokers 
understanding usage patterns and behaviors and then the whole sales thing of like knowing what a pipeline is marketing terms and retention open open rates deliverability it was, it was a whole new thing that like I, I started to like really adapt and I, I love it it was, it was one of the most challenging businesses I've ever had I mean there's technically I guess a third startup I guess environment my the cargo chief was a startup brokerage then XPO was a startup office this would be the third startup company. I just lo love the challenge that startups uh, yeah, kind yeah. of give you. So startups are are pretty awesome. I used to love that show Silicon Valley too. That always cracked me up. But for so DFM, what is your definition of DFM, and how how do you look at that? Like what what exactly is DFM? Yeah, it's it's changed. I'd say like in when I was running a brokerage back in. Oh man, I think that was like 2016, 2017, back down here in Houston before I founded Cargo Chief. Like, I don't even think DFM was a thing. I don't even think it was a phrase. People were like talking about just automation, automating things. I think at the time, blockchain was pretty heavy and mm -hmm. it was all about like PODs, retrieval, and taking pictures of your images and scanning those in automatically. Then, like, digital freight matching started to come out. In the beginning, it was like a lot of companies were parsing these truck truck emails, like carrier lists, uh, like a carrier would send you an email and it'd be like, Hey, I've got trucks here, here, here. This is where they're going. This is where they want to go. And I think a lot, there were a couple of companies, including us that were parsing those, that yep. information and trying to populate it into a list that was actionable. I think what turned out to be is it wasn't really much better than a load board. Cause I think if you think calling through a load board, as soon as you call that carrier, the guy's come on already. Like it's already been five, five minutes posted is too long. Like that, that truck is gone. And it was, it was pretty similar to like the emails, like, cause, cause those carriers are actively looking for, like if they're spending time typing up their availability, they're going to take a good option, whatever comes their way first. If somebody happens to give them an offer on one of those trucks. Uh, so it was pretty tough to match digitally freight with a carrier at that point. And I think that's where DFM kind of was and has been for at, le at least where it started, right? Like the first two, three years, it, it was really like matching freight with a carrier. But I think in the last year and a half, real-time pricing has came out. There's a lot of companies doing that. Lists and matching is getting better not just from carrier lists, but like lane aggregation or whatever information you're able to source from a carrier or a lane or a transaction. And I think it's now become kind of how we look at DFM is more like a layered approach. It's using kind of like everything together, not just matching a load with a carrier. It's about matching the right load at the right time with the right carrier, the right frequency, also at the right price. We combine kind of a lot of things together to match these two, I guess, points, really. It's not not necessarily like freight or, or a load. We try to think of it more as like a relationship, mm -hmm. a relationship-driven platform to where like, just because we're matching this load doesn't mean it's just one load with this carrier. We try to do more things in in volume rather than one load at a time. And I think it's it's just really just see, seeing what, what's going to happen next, right? Like we, we have this layered approach today Curious to see what happens in the next, I don't know, what, what the market demands in six more months. Like, like how, how does it change? How does technology shape DFM in itself? So, Sure. As a load is created, say, like in, in Broker, where 
with the integration, Cargo Chief will automatically reach out to the carriers with some outreach on behalf of 3PL customers. How does that work exactly? Like it, it just goes in there and and finds loads that look like a uh, truckload or like what high level, how does that work? Yeah, so it, it's it's probably easier to explain this in maybe two parts. So like first is the capacity layer. Think of things or technology or platforms like Zoom Info. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple others out there, uh, but but Zoom Info is really like a, a business, a lead sourcing platform. You can make lists and filters and things like that. And that's really how I think of the capacity in C4 is really like a better lead carrier lead sourcing platform, but not just to like for you to call. Definitely not that. Like, I, I don't want to give anyone 160 carriers deep on a lane to go call. It's not really about that. It's about finding the right ones in the top 10 or 15 to get them to engage with you. So then your open rates are high, your click rates are high, whatever you're spending your time on, it starts to like impact deliverability and then, and then have good carrier engagement at that point. So I, I would say it's like, having a tighter carrier pipeline with the better carrier lead sourcing platform at the same time. And so, yeah, once your load is built there, that's when the clock starts. Like pre-booking is one of the hardest things to do. And if, if you're, if your load is built and sitting on the board, who's working on that? Often nobody, because they haven't even, they've got to free up the time to go look at the load, open the load, understand the details, and then think of like, am I going to work on this now or am I going to work on it later? There's a lot of that human element that like either deters them from working alone or just like they they feel some sort of way about it where mach- machine learning and AI doesn't have emotion and it just it's going to do it, right? It doesn't, doesn't have a, so, somebody at HubTech, I think Scott told me this, uh, automation doesn't have, doesn't take restroom breaks. So it's like, <laughs> it, it's important to, to know That's that fair. it's yeah. not emotional either. So it's like, as soon as that load hits the board, out goes the offers. And that's when the pre-booking should start happening. And so that that's really when the load offers get sent out to the carriers that, that are in, in the network of that broker, but that fit our database. And that's that's the big thing too. Like the carriers in our in our database are constantly growing their profile in an automated fashion because they're booking more freight with brokers in our network, not just that broker A who is using that TMS. Can you give me like just a fake example of like how this would work? Like just say you have a load that's from like 40,000 pounds from LA to New York. It hits this, it hits brokerware. What happens from there? Yeah. So our, our database in C4 will, will stay one in, in sync with like the carriers that you qualify and dequalify. So call it LA to Seattle. That's what what I remember. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say LA to Seattle. You could have, last time you moved that load could have been, I don't know, last week. Right. And in, 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 in TMS terms, like in theory, you wouldn't have another carrier. Your, your carrier count of 20 never grew. It didn't go to 21 or 22 because you didn't have that load again. Mm-hmm. But with C4, LA to Seattle's probably already moved another, I don't know, 100 times in the last week. Sure. So since, since other brokers are booking that lane, right? So like that's, that's, it's important to know that that's where it starts. So like, yeah, so so that yeah. your option pool literally can triple without you knowing it, mm-hmm. and and that's and and that's the thing too is like, it's not about knowing it; it's about having a system that's proactive enough and is going to do the outreach for you that does know it and did pick up on that that information. So yeah, once that load offer gets built uh, or the load gets built, we will pull all the information, commodity details, 
we actually customize a template for we customize the templates for um, our users so that so we make sure that deliverability is there and we get the open rates we want. Uh, we'll add logos, your name, make it look like a person and not a system. From there, it'll offer out to these carriers. And the interesting part, like the, the difference between a lot of the other digital freight matching tools, most of them have kind of like a load board uh, that is customized to that broker. It'll say like broker A at whatever company dot whatever, right? And it'll have, they'll have that load board. And I, it's important to know like the distinction between the two, like the load board carriers are often going to be looking at stuff like that. But our approach is more getting them to engage with you without changing their behavior, without making them log into a portal and giving them a way to engage and negotiate, like just as if any rep would your reps are often commissioned per load. So if, if you think of like, if I'm, if I'm trying to adopt a product and this tool just brought carriers to my inbox, I don't have to call anybody. I can just reply to this guy and tell him, Hey, can you do 650? And boom, I book it without having to post a load without having to call anybody. There's a guy in my network. He's already set up. I didn't know he ran the lane. I don't really care. Now I know he runs the lane. Now I care. And now I know who to go to next time. I know as a rep that this carrier is willing to engage digitally. And that, that means he's going to hit priority next time I have this freight. So I know who to go to now. I've got a history and I got a thread in my inbox. And so it just transforms that, that option process. It's really like expediting the option process, giving them more quality options to, to negotiate with and work, work with rather than just giving them a list of carriers to call. So, so at that point, like, the carrier can engage like that, or they can click a button uh, to log an offer and it'll, they can accept the load. We have that availability for them. Most carriers just face it in this industry, pick up the call, pick up the phone and call, or they're just going to shoot an email. So <laughs> that's really where most of the engagement happens. Yeah. So when they're, I guess when the system's looking to see who ran that lane from LA to Seattle, and they, they find all those different options from people that have used C4 from maybe the last week or month or whatever, I guess it depends, but does there pricing that's sent as well? And it's just pricing that's like some sort of algorithmic <laughs> pricing, I guess. Yeah. Sorry for that coffee. Oh, yeah. No worries. Fits <laughs> in your ear, just, you know, tune me out. <laughs> yeah, no. So we, we have, you know, uniquely to our own pricing engine, which, it's, it's really, it really came about not, not as a good idea for us. A lot of our customers in the early days, we would ask what, what's one of the things that you wish you had in C4. And a lot of people said, I think it was like dominantly 60, 70% said a pricing tool because of a lot, a lot of the reason was the tools that they currently had were like either seven, 14 days old after the load was delivered. Uh, or the the price to get more relative data was just too much. Like they they couldn't front that money. So we built out a pricing tool based on current data, and we're able to process loads as they're being booked. So it, it makes for a much more dynamic tool that moves with the market. Meaning, like if right now as we're talking, <clears throat> loads are being booked in the C4 network, and and that allows like our model to stay up to date. Man, my throat's getting dry. Um, <laughs> some coffee real fast out of my good amazon freight cup nice <laughs> our pricing engine it's meant to be more dynamic but i think when you think like pair it with automation like a lot of people today will see a see a rate and then they're going to go price something like they're it's still like a manual activity 
And there's there's now automation where like you can automate the quote back to your shipper. But I think where we we we're, we're fitting our pricing engine, it's not just back to the shipper, but we can also automate it back to the carrier. Let's take that LA to Seattle example again. If you ran it two weeks ago or a week ago, you probably haven't kept up to date with where that market's going, where it's been until you have that freight again, until you're quoting it again. You could be behind, like when you go look it up, it could be seven, 14 days old, but that still comes down to like time, right? Do you have the time? Do you have the knowledge of where that rate rate has been? Where C4 does, right? And and we can apply that rate. If you were paying 18 last time and we know the market moved to 1692, we can supersede that rate and put 1692 without anyone having to do anything and now it offers out to your carriers and your negotiation point starts where the market is rather than out of place. Um, and that there's a lot of room for a f- obvious margin, right? But but not just that, it's it could be faster coverage if you're more in tune with the market, even thinking about going higher. Like we have some customers that just tell us, we don't care what, the, what we have, we're just gonna go with your rates because it's also the same on the flip side to a carrier. If you if you're offering 900 and the market's at 15, that carrier you just lost engagement. Like that carrier is going to skip over yours, probably take someone else who offered 13, and then you lost that truck. You lost the option. So there there's that there's it's two sides of the coin, and and that's what our pricing engine really can can do. That's what if you think about like the people that are actually pricing the max buys out. That's really where that that automation helps too. Sure. And then as far as like the negotiation piece goes, let's just say someone offers like $1,500 for that lane or, you know, our TMS sends it out $1,500 and then the carrier wants to negotiate. How does that part work? Is it like through email or is it like email that's like updated in this, in the system yeah. somehow or? Yeah. So mo- most carriers again are going to just reply back just standard practice. That's what they do. Even, even reps reply back, even though we have buttons for Four people, like we have a button for a carrier to click counter. They they can do that. Some do it. I think you see it a lot with like, honestly, strangely, you see it a lot with like reefer carriers or those carriers that like know their price. Like they're they're just gonna click the button and plug it in. And I think that's that's important too. Like all these tools together are maturing the market a little bit more to and training them to where they like there are buttons like this that you can click. Mm-hmm. It's not any foreign language anymore. So a carrier can reply back with a rate uh, or they can click a button. And the same, same thing true to the uh, to the user. They can either reply back um, or they can just click click the button and counter back to the to the carrier. The the thing there is that most people reply. They they right click reply. Like in any any industry, any recipient, anyone sending emails probably knows this. That like even though you add CC, you put people in CC, a lot of people have the mistake and habit of just clicking reply and not reply all mm-hmm. so like we we've added code to pick up on that to where like even if that that user or the recipient clicks reply it's still going to capture the thread and transfer that i guess yeah transfer that information to the user or to the carrier make make sure that that deliverability again is there and that it does get to the audience so a lot of carriers i know they are not carriers but a lot of brokers might have let's just say 5,000, 10,000 carriers in their TMS in brokerware, say. And a lot of the times they're just hunting and pecking for, for like new carriers every time a load comes up. Why, why is the, why did the industry start off that way? And like, is DFM 
changing that? Yeah. So it kind of goes back to like the layered approach. Like it's, it's, or just generally why people come to Cargo Chief is to expand their carrier base, number one. And I, I, I'd say like we get, we get different walks of path paths, I guess that, that of brokers that come to us, some that are brand new, some that even haven't started a brokerage yet. And they're looking for ways to like one, grow their business, but two, expand their carry base. And often they they start with very few and it's hard to like digitally match their freight to the, to the right carriers in their network if they have, if they don't have an extensive network yet. I think it starts like that because the nature of the business, a lot of brokers don't start with a book of business. They start with like taking what they can get kind of to to maybe fill in the gaps of with their book of business that they currently have like they might have one or two shipper connections but as they grow <clears throat> they're trying to take more spot opportunities and that that leaves for like they don't have a network or a home for that new freight so that that's why they're complying so many new carriers and then like growth at a brand new company it's it's hard to grow organically if you're not like a, a funded brokerage like there's a lot of tech enabled brokerages that boom 50 million boom 300 million <laughs> investments and, and it, it's easy for them to scale and grow automatically go hire 60 people because they've got the funding for it like a lot of brokers that grow organically they don't quite have that that yet like they they have to think about bandwidth and like even though you maybe make 100k in margin a month What's your, what, what are you paying in benefits? How much does it cost to keep your lights on your P and L like everything there at the end, once you've divided everything up in commissions, you probably only have three grand in profit. Like, <laughs> is that enough to go hire another body? You spread people really thin in the beginning and it just causes a lot of chaos. And that's why like, there's so much, not a lot of attention put on carrier attention. It's, it's about the satisfaction right now. And that's like posting a load getting it out of my way, out of my face, off my table right now. So I can continue to the next one. I think when we see a lot of successes, that carrier base, once it's around like 5,000 or so, 5,000 carriers, maybe 3,000 carriers, that's when a company has has the like foundation to scale, I would say. Like you, you can't scale from zero. Like even at a SaaS company or product, like you got to get an MVP out. You got to know like, go go through your early adopters and go through all of that whole phase make sure you've got something that people are willing to pay for mm -hmm. and then your internal process too is like how do i scale this process in business and and things like that so one, once you've got that company around that size the dfm and the carrier expansion happens organically because like like i said with with the carriers like as they're complying new carriers that like our our systems already working on those carriers that they haven't booked yet like because that those carriers are already booking freight with other brokers in our network so like we're already gathering lane information before broker a or broker let's call it broker 150 before broker 150 signs <laughs> up we've already gathered lane information on their next 10 carriers that they they're, they're about to book so we've already got like this database growing before they come on. So it's like, it's easy to continue that carrier expansion without anyone having to do anything. Uh, just makes, makes it seamless.
Yeah, I was looking at some stats the other day, and I'm probably going to butcher them, but there was like around like 900,000 carriers for like higher truckload carriers. And it seemed like something like the majority of them had like less than like five trucks. So they're it's very like fragmented, the market. And it seems like this is kind of the reason why people probably struggle for like keeping track of these carriers, because it just seems like the technology that these carriers have is probably pretty limited. And they're probably like owner operators working at night random hours so is this part of like the problem as well just the f- massive fragmentation of the market and like why companies like uh, cargo chief exist yes uh that's one of the you know when we talk to talk to more like investor stuff and, and things like that it's more like one of the big challenges we saw for is data fragmentation kind of what we were talking about off the side was that a lot of tms's are really 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 good data warehouses it doesn't really matter like what data you have if you can't interpret it sure, so it's sure. like and, and as you change tmss new new fields and new properties are being filled in or or left out and it's like this fragmentation of information not just in a tms but like think about what's on someone's desk that's not in a in a system think about what's in someone's mind that's not in a system like you think about coverage or even like customer customer information like oh yeah i know this customer they always ship sheet metal and their things need bulkheads and whatnot and all this other stuff like all that stuff is just fragmented and siloed and never in one place and and that's yeah that's one of the big things that that cargo chief solves for and like it, it exists it's data fragmentation is real and it's it's hard to like even know like as a brokerage they're there to like make money and book freight not to worry about things like data fragmentation yeah. Right. Like it's, it's sometimes you got to think about what, what that even means. Their eyes would probably glaze over thinking about that. It's funny. I guess for the last couple of minutes, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about pre-booking. What, what exactly is pre-booking for those folks that don't do that? Can you give us yeah. a definition? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you could probably Google something and see, see what it means, but I think it's the same thing, whether you don't even have to do pre-booking and logistics, like it's pretty standard across any industry. Like, getting revenue on the books really and mm-hmm. whatever that means and securing it in insurance or something it's probably like signing up somebody for a yearly annual package for life insurance and that's pre-booking right like pre-booking revenue on the on the books same thing for for logistics it's it's the same side it's got two angles really like customer side like getting the revenue on the books whether that's like getting 20 loads commitment from your shipper make knowing that it's going to be there every month or if it's like booking in on the coverage side making sure you've got 10 loads pre-booked every day you walk in or whatever percentage that is if you can come in with like a set of a, a set goal of like hey i want to pre-book 80 percent. that was our goal at ch robinson it was like hey we want to book pre-book 80 percent and let the other 20 percent let same day take care of that like if it happens to roll over let it roll over. Like same day has its own sort of freight and carriers and mix and everything else that goes in with it. So it's like, if you can pre-book more, it's going to lead for less chaos, less stress, and just more revenue on the books and more, more things, more opportunities for you to take on more risks, more, more freight, new freight. And I, it's again, one of the hardest things to do because it's, it's so challenging, like with data fragmentation and just not knowing who to, Trust. Who to call? Yeah, who to call or who to? When do I give that load out? What price do I even quote it out? Should I 
take that load at a thousand dollars today or wait. It's there's just so much decision in in that that whole process that that goes on and why it's hard to do. Not a con, but something that maybe to be aware of is like it seems like the carriers might drop off because they're moving all over the place and especially when they're small and they don't have a big fleet. So like, how do you factor that part of it in? And like, do you look at it like only within like a week's time frame, or like, what's like the, the, I guess the booking time frame? Yeah. That sweet spot's like 24, 48 hours. Oh, so it's pretty uh, quick. Yeah. That like, makes sense actually. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, if you think like three days out, I mean, you can get across the country like seven day transit. Not, there's not, I mean, there's a lot of freight that goes on across country, but there's a lot of regional freight that thousand miles or less. So like if you're going three days out, that carrier might not have even picked up their, their, their head haul load yet. And so there's a lot that can happen. <laughs> like the load they're on might not even get empty until four hours late. Now it's eating into their driver time. Then they get traffic the next day and it takes whatever and time. And you know, it's by, by the time they get to that other load that they booked four days ago, like things have changed, like could be a hurricane coming, could be, I don't know, some event blocking streets off and it just chaos continues. I would <laughs> say. And so that that's one of the cons. Yeah. It is like, if you pre-book too soon, like you could get carried carriers forgetting about the load internally. You may forget about it. If you don't have a process in place, like a, or even a support team to like, stay on top of that that load like 24 hours getting the driver info or the day of driver info empty times empty locations things like that can sometimes if you're pre-booking too much then it could it you could fall into that that domino effect and it's that's really just assessing process or, or applying process to to that pre-booking load i guess pre-booking atmosphere yeah i, I like that that's it's, it's interesting i guess my last question for you it's just, uh, what are you excited about over like the next, I don't know, next year, whatever coming up? I know that we got some conferences probably coming up, F3, and uh, we're, we're actually going to that one. We'll probably see you guys there, TIA, the uh, Technovations. But it, just as a company, um, Cargo Chief, is there anything that you're excited about? Any like bills coming up or just in general? Yeah, I handed out something earlier, um, but uh, I'll keep that on the download for now. But sure. um, yes, uh, there's a <laughs> lot coming out. For us, it's it's a lot of our build has been around digital freight matching. We've gotten uh, it's it's amazing what you can do now with data. Like once we go when we visit our customers, a lot of times like we envision how they should be using the tool, but when we actually see them using it and what they ask for now that they've been using it for a year in an automated fashion is different than what they would have asked a year ago. For example, someone wanted to know, hey, can we see the times that we booked this load, the times that we recovered it, how many times we recovered it, and how many hours before pickup? Because it's about like this learning experience that always gets missed. You see a price there for like 2100 and that's the last time you ran the load. But to really understand why we paid 2100 is there's probably a lot of information that's in someone's head. Mm -hmm. So we, we can pull information like, was it rebooked? Was it reassigned? How long was it on the board? Like all this information to point to, that's why your price was 21 and not 18. So they can take those experiences and learn from it and try to understand like, should I take a 21 or should I take an 18 or should I take a 25? 
Mm. And that that's stuff like that is like that what we're excited to see with with just the evolution of digital freight matching, right? Like because it's not digital freight matching, I don't think is just gonna be about one load, one carrier. It's about an experience, I, I think in 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 the next year or two, like it'll start to really evolve into like this matching experience, I think. And that that's really where we see cargo chief going. That's interesting because it seems like it's not always just the price, right? It could be like the transit time, the service, like so many other variables. And it sounds like maybe like, why did we pick that carrier at that rate versus like going with something higher or lower and giving maybe some more context to it? Is that yeah. kind of what you mean? Yeah, it's uh, that learned experience that's missed. The ops manager understands it, but the floor rep doesn't. And sure. it's like connecting the gaps and even in talent too. So yeah. It's fascinating. Well, I love what you guys are doing over at C4 and we're really excited for the partnership, Chris. If people would like to reach out for a demo of our integration with you guys, who should they reach out to? Uh, yeah, you can reach out to to myself, Chris Arredondo on LinkedIn. Uh, best ways probably visit our website, cargochief.com. There's a couple buttons there. You can click schedule a demo or contact us, get started, and bunch of bunch of buttons there. Or you can LinkedIn uh, is, is a pretty good way too. We're pretty active there as well. So uh, you can you can fly down to Houston if you want, <laughs> but I'm not going to give you my address. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then also listen to Get Freight To It, the podcast. And I love the podcast. That's, go that's going well. So anyways, Chris, thanks for the time. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sticking around to the end with that interview with Chris Arredondo of Cargo Chief. I always really enjoy speaking to Chris about freight tech, digital freight matching, and the future of freight. If you have any questions about our TMS, feel free to visit our site, 3PL Systems with an S.com. You can see there our integration with Cargo Chief. Thanks again. Bye.